When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to the Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We have a very interesting subject to discuss today. Has U.S. claimed world's oil ground, especially when the oil industry is going through an enormous amount of uncertainty and you can call it a major disruption as well as reshaping. I have with me Dennis here in Dubai to discuss the progress especially U.S. has made in the oil market. Dennis has been associated very closely with this industry. He is the chairman of the Petroleum Equipment Suppliers Association for Middle East and North Africa. He also serves as the executive director of distribution now, DNOW's Group KZ in Kazakhstan. Dennis is associated with the oil and gas industry for more than a decade and a half in various roles. He has an extensive global experience with global oil and gas markets, having covered all the major oil and gas markets. Currently, Dennis holds the position of Vice President of International Sales and Operations of Distribution Now. Dennis earned his Bachelor of Science degree from Purdue University, Indiana, United States. Welcome, Dennis. Thanks, Mahesh, for having me here. Uh, well, Dennis, uh, let me lay out uh, some of the background for our audience, or rather the listeners today, uh, on the topic. So, uh, the oil market has been going through a lot of uncertainties and disruptions, like the drop in oil prices in 2018, OPEC and non-OPEC alliances, uh, committing, rather admitting to commit to rebalance market, and then followed by upheavals in Venezuela and Libya, followed by or along with sanctions on Iran. Also, there is a looming threat of weakening global economy. Uh, there are discussions going around sorting out trade disputes. There has been a tremendous amount of production growth in the United States. There have been productivity challenges. There have been cash flow issues. And above all, there is an impact of green energy and also there will be another impact coming on the industry of EVs, electric vehicles, uh, a long list of issues which can impact it. Having talked about this background, I just want to share with our listeners along with you uh, some of the discussions which is happening in the environment about U.S. becoming the king of oil so-called. So what's the market scenario? Market scenario is there are obvious cracks in the OPEC consensus. The U.S. oil production has hit record levels. The global oil demand may slow down. And then there is an uncertainty over sanctions on Iran's oil industry. <coughs> Beyond this, I would also like to share some of the news headlines. What, what, what is being captured by the media? So, uh, one of the headlines has been American petroleum exports to overtake Russia within five years. 
Next is second wave of US shale revolution to hit geopolitics. And this comes from International Energy Agency, which kind of captures data about the energy uh, environment, what's happening all around the world. Uh, recently in Houston, there was a conference in which uh, the US Energy Secretary, Rick Perry said, this is the new American energy era. Very profound statement. It is supported. It is supported by the growth in uh, the exports of crude oil from United States, which is uh, growing at a very fast rate. The trajectory is high. It's supposed to be coming close to almost 5 million barrels a day by the year 2020. And this all started uh, in 2015 when Washington lifted a 40-year ban on uh, most oil sales overseas. And this is also followed by the trajectory. If you see, uh, where would US be as compared to the top two, uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia? It seems like by 2024, uh, it will be clearly the number two in terms of oil export, touching close to what Saudi Arabia would be doing, which is going to remain flat. Same as Russia going to remain flat, but it may touch Russian exports by 2021 itself. Now, another piece of news which I will share with you that OPEC and non-OPEC producers met in Vienna. The notable point was US was not part of that meeting. Having seen this, that US was not part of it, the news again says that US influence or global market is growing tremendously. Now let's look back to the last year. 2018 was basically the most fluctuating year for oil prices in past three or four years. Uh, there has been some largest single day drops. There have been some recoveries and what caused it? <clears throat> now, as per uh, the smart money moves, uh, the, the magazine which, or, or the article talks about that there have been geopolitical concerns. There have been financial moves. There have been issues with supply and demand. And also, this has been supported by some tweet time from the President of the United States, which has made the market a little bit more volatile than it was earlier. So US production has already crossed uh, 12 million barrels a day. It makes it probably now the highest oil producer. Now, the growth of oil production in Texas, especially uh, including Permian and Bakken ge uh, geological regions, that's what is putting US oil production ahead of Russia for the first time. And this has happened for the first time since 1999. And this has come from US Energy Information Administration. Now that makes US the world leader in oil production. And this has been talked about for a long time. Now, Bob, president of Rapid and Energy at, uh, at, for Energy Group told CNN Money, it is all about technological improvements supported by ample capital to invest and the ingenuity, ingenuity of American oil drillers. And you will see uh, anywhere when they talk about growth in America, where it is coming from, which uh, uh, we'll discuss later. Let me just quickly share with our listeners another fact. What countries are the top producers and consumers of oil? The top one is United States at 15.65 million barrels a day, followed by Saudi 12, Russia 11, Canada 4.96. These are the top four. Now, if you look 
the largest consumers, uh, the picture changes a little bit. United States, they consume more than what they produce. They consume 19 million barrels, which is almost 20% of the world. One fifth of the world is consumed by them, China, 12 million barrels, followed by India and Japan. So the top four in producers and consumers are different. Now this was in the million barrels uh, per day. Now if you look at in terms of dollars, the 15 countries, if you look at, which purchase almost like 84% of all, all oil crude imports, my data refers to 2017 by value, China was the highest importer, $162 billion, followed by United States, $139 billion, Japan, 63 and India, 60 Now, having laid out this whole scenario, who's the biggest importer, who's the producer, and the developments happening in the marketplace, uh, United States taking lead, a lot of things, shale playing a role. Dennis, what do you think? What is the impact of growth of North American oil market? Well, Mahesh, the growth of the North American oil and gas production and what is now referred to as the shale revolution has been nothing but astounding. The technology that has been developed and then further refined in the unprecedented downturn has been very impressive. And the North American market has proven that capitalism will make necessary adjustments in just about any marketplace that we, we participate. The North American drillers have come out of this downturn stronger and more efficient than ever before. A lot of people are actually asking, you know, is, is this sustainable? Right. And um, I always say I hope so, right? Um, we will see that if it doesn't, we'll see that supply and demand curve flip quickly, resulting in very high oil prices. The one thing we all need to be careful is that the underinvestment in the oil and gas market during these low oil price environment will not affect the supply. That's really the challenge right now for OPEC and OPEC plus countries um, to make sure that we still have ample supply uh, and that supply and demand curve does not flip too quickly. One of the looming factors is the rate of depletion of the offshore fields, and that is where OPEC and OPEC plus will pay, play a leading role. If that happens, the, on, the onshore shale whales won't be able to keep up, and OPEC and OPEC plus will need to step in. Mm. So that's uh, maybe the shale will have a benefit. Well, I agree with you that the capacity that offshore gives you cannot be replaced by onshore, especially the shale play. But if it depletes, the price goes up, guess who benefits the most? Probably shale. Sure. But although there's no way going to match that capacity. So basically, the exploration, which has not happened in the past when the oil industry was down, probably will be a detrimental factor. So there comes another variable. You bring in a very good point that what could be the next variable which can change the destiny of oil? That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, again, there's so many different factors today. Um, as you mentioned in your, in your introduction, one is the demand True. from the economies. Second, the supply. And then, of course, third, the trade winds, right? The current trade uh, conversations that are happening around the world. So all these factors are playing a role in oil prices that we've never seen before, making it a volatile environment. True. So, you know... We're, we're seeing in this volatile environment that we see today, I mean, you're already starting to see capital 
technology, right, playing a role in this oil and gas environment. Um, the development of the shale technology in the U.S. has the U.S. now producing more wells today with less rigs than ever before, right? The capital investment is also very important. You know, what you've seen in the last several years is a lot of cons con the consumption of cash, right? Investors in the United States actually want money back from the um, from their investments. Uh, the trajectory of growth and low oil price environment has consumed a lot of this cash. In this volatile period, we have seen private companies now start to pull back on their mm -hmm. investments in oil and gas in the United States, and you're starting to see the majors continue to invest because of their coffers being full, with the prices beginning to increase. True, because I saw one of the statements from Exxon about the Penman Basin that even at a cost of $35 a barrel, they would still be making a profitable investment. They still make profit on it. Now, that's a very good point which you bring in about the investment, uh, which, uh, which regions the investment is coming in shale and how it's reflecting in the activities. What we're going to do is we'll take a short break and we'll continue our discussions after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Uh, 
I have with me Dennis and we are having very interesting discussion about uh, the US dominance or the upcoming dominance uh, in the oil market basis, uh, the growth of production in the United States and getting a prominent position in the oil market. So Dennis, we are talking about this very interesting phenomena which is happening, uh, which is supported by shale in US, the increase in the production of oil that is that sustainable for the United States and how they achieved it and what are the next steps and how it will impact uh, the geopolitical situations for them and uh, how it will turn around the trade situations. Well, it's very complicated, Mahesh, right? <clears throat> You're already starting to see China up their purchases of U.S. oil recently um, with the trade deficit conversation. Um, with the lifting of the 2015 export bans um, of the United States, the United States has become a global competitor in the oil and gas marketplace um, and a very dominant one at that. Right. We've seen them increase exports from zero 2015 to, I think this year, they crossed the 5 million mm -hmm. uh, mark. So I believe that the, it, it changes the dynamics of political conversations or trade conversations when it comes to dealing with the U.S. administration. Uh, the U.S. administration, uh, unlike other administrations around the world, do not control the oil and gas environment. And the oil and gas environment is a privately owned um, venture mm -hmm. in the US. And these investments are purely capitalistic. These are uh, done by uh, the private companies, private persons. Um, and the US, although can put favorable regulations around it, um, it's very difficult for the U.S. to control the export volumes that the uh, United States export drillers uh, produce. Yes, and if you look at it, uh, even in some of the actions, let, let me try to link it to some of the geopolitical uh, actions or trade sanctions. If United States did not have this kind of growth in oil, uh, let's say oil and gas, probably they would not have been able to act as swiftly as they did with, uh, with Venezuela for human rights and on Iran for nuclear issues in terms of sanctions because otherwise these uh, sanctions would have disrupted the oil supplies. That could have impacted the United States itself. But now that piece is gone. That gives them the strength that if you have to take care of human rights somewhere or a few other issues which are good for the humanity, uh, you're not dependent on other variables to stop you from making the right decision on that. Well, potentially, yes. Yeah. Um, but right now, it still has that impact. I mean, you saw the waiver program um, that the United States gave waivers to eight of the uh, largest importing countries from Iran. Oh, yeah, you're right. They did. Right? Yes. Um, so, yeah. although potentially that can be the case, yeah. what we're starting to see is that there is still mm -hmm. some of that that's <laughs> lingering. Mm -hmm. Now, the way the production is going in the United States, 
the impact of global markets. How would it benefit them or take them down? <clears throat> so let's say for you, you brought in a very good point. Shale has created that opportunity for the United States. But if the investors are looking for return, there is certain minimum threshold for them where uh, they get the best return. Now, the oil prices, when it went down a few years ago, even below 30 for a few days, the shale was going out of action there. They were shutting it down because it's not profitable. You bought another point in discussion, the technology side. So the technology side has bought the cost of production less, as you rightly said, to drill uh, the same number of oil, they, they, uh, oil wells, they need less number of rigs. Now see the combination of this, especially looking at the United States market. For any reason, any trade impacts, any geopolitical issue, if the oil price goes up, the shale producers make more money. So if they make more money, they invest more and they're getting more return, they will increase the supply. That's right. All right. And, and, and there's a lot more, there's a lot of factors in that too, right? I mean, <clears throat> some of the limiting factors currently, and again, with the right investments, you can expand mm -hmm. uh, and, and provide solutions to some of these issues that you're seeing now in the United States. Right now, we're seeing take, take away capacity issues mm -hmm. from the Permian. Um, we're still seeing, you know, a very uh, small recovery on mm -hmm. some of the other basins mm -hmm. away from the Permian Basin. Right, right now the Permian Basin is the most cost-effective mm -hmm. uh, shale play there, mm -hmm. but you're starting to see uh, there it's it's beginning to uh, hit some of its limits, mm -hmm. uh, and we'll need to start to uh, the United States will start need to start to invest into the midstream mm -hmm. uh, environment uh, so that they can have more takeaway capacity. Um, you'll start to see some uh, investments leave. The Permian and go to some of the other basins um, so that they can actually produce uh, more cash. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think because now they have more oil, one is the trade equation with China itself is changing. China has become uh, a pretty big buyer of oil uh, from US. So that's crude oil, which they allow to ship now. In terms of investment into the business, since now they have more oil available, they have gas also available, no doubt. Would it call for more investment into economy right there in terms of capturing more of uh, the, the downstream value of the product? Because earlier, U.S. used to capture the full value of, uh, of oil and gas. And only in 2015, they allowed it to be exported. So that may, may, may create an environment in the United States, especially around the areas where you have excess oil supply. Because as you rightly said, the takeaway, the, the moving the crude, moving the gas is becoming a problem now because they have a lot of supplies. So there could be a, a, an investment in infrastructure to move it. Second, in, uh, investment into petrochemical complexes to take it to the end product, which would be good for the American economy. So it's not only that shale has created an oil boom, that may create boom in other sectors too. Yeah. And again, so there's probably two factors in this, right? One is actually the investment in your own infrastructure because it makes more economical sense. Mm -hmm. The second one is actually trying to be more self-reliant. You're starting to see, again, a shift in this whole uh, geo market when it comes to oil and gas. You, mm -hmm. you read about 
uh, the Mexican government wanting to invest into new petrochemical uh, complexes and refineries in, in Mexico mm-hmm. uh, so that they're not so reliant on the United States. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the cost of producing and refining some of those uh, oils in Mexico uh, is going to cost Mexico um, quite a bit of money. And right now, it's far more efficient for them to actually import already finished product mm-hmm. um, into to Mexico. So what you see is <clears throat> you know, countries making decisions, not only from an economical point of view, but also from a self-reliance point of view. Oh, that's a very good point. So, you know, this could be, as they say, a trade is trade the peace broker around the world. If you have good trade relations, normally that brings peace in the environment also because you have more dependence on each other. So maybe uh, the the price of uh, production of crude may allow the United States, as you give the right example for Mexico, to allow the United States to supply uh, crude at a reasonable price to developing countries, so that allows them to develop faster and uh, uh, the fast developing countries to meet their needs and uh, balance the economies. And at the same time, to keep those equations going, it may try to bring out the trade deals into a balance. Yeah. Because if you say the free trade, uh, free trade should be free, reciprocal and balanced. Yeah. So, so this way, uh, there could be uh, uh, an export of raw material and and associated uh, products with petrochemical going to de- developing countries and they supplying the other goods which are more economical being produced in those countries because of any reasons. It could be the cost of manpower, it could be cost of other natural resources in that country. So basically that will bring in United States closer to their uh, uh, business partners, the trade partners and make the system work more efficiently. Absolutely, Mahesh. I mean, at, at the end, there's so many different factors that they go into play when it comes to the the effects the North the North American oil and gas exports uh, have in the world markets. Um, but absolutely, um, the world as we know today, when it comes to oil and gas, has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the X factor, you know, of this U.S. export um, definitely has disrupted the balance. Um, but in a uh, you know capitalistic world, what we'll see is uh, with time, uh, new partners will be created and new uh, balances will be uh, developed. That is very true. So basically, it looks like the, the, the political relationships, if you see uh, what you discuss, what's happening between the trade discussions between China and US. So here's an opportunity, China has already become the uh, probably they're the largest importer or maybe second or third, I don't know the exact number, but they're importing a lot of oil from from United States. And with the trade dispute on something else can be balanced by oil and the political relationship between the two countries can be brought closer. Absolutely. And that brings a lot of uh, what I would say comfort in dealing between various countries, getting together and fostering what you call the peace among the trade routes because there is it's opening that opportunity for bartering of commodities and and you can play each region can play to each other's strength and create a kind of peaceful environment to keep the trades going so those trade uh, 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 disputes which we see 
maybe with, with, with a power like United States, uh, it can be leveraged to create that amount of balance right there. So what we're going to do is at this point, uh, Dennis will take a short break and we'll continue our discussion after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. We're having very interesting discussions about uh, the new emerging leader in the field of oil and gas, especially you're talking about oil, uh, the United States of America. So Dennis, uh, just before you took the break, you talked about uh, how much is coming from United States in the world as export from United States. So you mentioned it's going to hit, uh, it's hitting 5 million barrels. Yes, it's going to hit by middle of next year. It's already in that trajectory to hit by uh, 2020. Now, that, that's a pretty good number. And especially if you compare uh, with what was in 2017, it was close to 1 million barrels per day. That's a phenomenal growth. Now, if you look from what 
some of the print material is saying, like the consultancy, Wood McKenzie, they say that this number is similar to the levels of Iraq and Canada. And now the industry is debating whether the world will be able to absorb these volumes and how global crude flows will be renavigated, how they go around the world. And now OPEC and OPEC Plus uh, have been uh, managing it very well till now and they've been cutting production and they're already seeing that they have to do something and there had been good response from them. And uh, there are signs also that crude market share is under threat uh, in, in the key markets of OPEC and OPEC Plus. If you look at the growth, especially if you look at the growth of imports by China from United States, which earlier they used to import from somewhere else. And, and that's a reflection of uh, how, how important China has become. China has already surpassed United Kingdom and the Netherlands to become the second largest destination of US crude oil exports two years ago. My data is a little bit dated. It may have improved. It was in 2017. It was accounting uh, that time uh, for a fifth of uh, 527,000 billions per day total year over year increase in foreign sales. So uh, also the Chinese refiners, they see a trend. They've been mentioning the trend will continue that uh, China will seek to uh, partially, if not fully, address the earlier discussion we had on the trade uh, imbalances with U.S., as has been highlighted by United uh, States President Donald Trump. And that complaint of trade deficit between the two countries can be met by China diversifying and solid looking. And that's what we discussed in the last section also. And they will be interested in increasing the U.S. component to balance that equation. And as one person mentioned and we discussed earlier, to a Chinese refiner who says the political relationship is moving to the top of the agenda and this could be used uh, as an easy one. So if you look back, uh, going back to let's say 2014, the U.S. shale industry really suffered a huge setback when the oil collapsed in 2014, the production costs are high, the market went down. Now, the rebound in, in the prices, which is led, actually OPEC created it, led by the production cut created by especially the, 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 the major OPEC countries, that has provided a new, new, new uh, lifeline to that. And uh, also, the US production producers have become more efficient. They've used more of technology. Uh, as we discussed in the earlier uh, earlier segments. So uh, as the U.S. supplies are surging, the net impact, the, uh, the total demand doesn't grow in the same ratio, the trajectory is different than what is the increase coming from United States in the export market. It may start impacting the other country, which could be OPEC or OPEC plus, especially when uh, they're trying to push in 5 million barrels a day uh, in, in the next year. So now, how, how is it going to manage? So most of the people will try to lock in the refining capacity, which you see the other major players global, which have been in crude oil business for a long time, are trying to lock in refining capacity. They're trying to move uh, into capturing the full value chain of oil, not only that gives them 
all the money, all the profits in the world at every stage of uh, oil production to the end use in various segments, but it also locks in <coughs> their export capacities. Because if they've invested in petrochemical, that's a pretty smart move by some of those uh, OPEC major players. And uh, also uh, with the potential of uh, a stronger global economic growth, there could be rising oil consumption. And also, as you mentioned uh, that there, uh, earlier, that there are natural declining rates. The natural decline rate plus the rising oil consumption triggered by global economic growth. Uh, there could be an increase in uh, demand for global crude. And if it is, uh, if, if it is not managed carefully, it will drive prices significantly higher uh, in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mahesh, what, what started as an American phenomenon is now being felt around the world as U.S. oil exports surged to levels unthinkable, unthinkable only a few years ago. The flow of crude will keep growing over the next few years with huge consequences for the oil industry, global politics, and even whole economies. Mm-hmm. You know, we're also entering uncharted territory where markets are moving based on tweets. We've got Brexit Ooh. votes out there. We've got trade disputes. Um, it's right now the responsibility of our entire industry to, to balance oil markets, to not already shock uh, an already fragile economy. So right now the balancing act um, that all these OPEC, OPEC plus U.S. Uh, drillers are, are trying to manage um, is, is, a, is a very uh, delicate balance. So basically what's going to happen is some scenarios can emerge as U.S. is increasing the production or they are able to sustain this production level because of the prices in market and the shale oil is competitive. Suppose the other scenario unfolds and, 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 and the prices remain low and is remaining low, the, 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 the main factor to play would be marginal cost. You know, if there's a stability in the market, the volatility goes away, right. then marginal cost producers will, will, will be there and that could become the norm of the day and the price. So there could be consolidation, which could happen at that point of time. Yeah. So that could be driven by what is coming out of the United States uh, and, and, and the marginal cost that starts going down, uh, how fast the American shale players can reduce the cost or would the marginal cost uh, be sustainable above that price? Well, right now, all we're looking for in the industry is a stable price. Exactly. Not low, not high, right? Allowing us to invest in the industry, invest in a long-term horizon. Get a predictable return over a a period of time. Get a predictable return, absolutely. and, And be able to produce enough oil for the world to need. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, high prices are not good for anybody and low prices are not good for anybody. So ultimately we need a, a, a I think you, we heard the, uh, the Saudis talk about, you know, wanting about 65 to $70 oil um, out there. That's what we need. We need a stable long-term horizon in which we can manage the industry and manage uh, our investments moving forward. All right. So basically what it looks like is if we have stable price 
everybody gains. Absolutely. Because volatility takes you nowhere. It's a stable price, the relationship are, are maintained, and you have a proper flow. Uh, there is no disruption. Absolutely. But having said that, the only disruption which has happened coming through shale, the technology advantage which United States of America got, and uh, they became the market leader. It can happen that if that shale technology travels and there are some other shale areas identified, that area can become a disruptor, but it may not be to the extent of United States because of the volumes they've already attained. Yes, and um, but don't forget also, right? We 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 operate in one of the most um, cyclical businesses mm -hmm. uh, in the world when it comes to oil and gas. This isn't our first bust. It will not be our last. And with every bust, the oil and gas industry um, showed their resilience. We have been able to transform. We've been able to get more efficient. We've been able to develop new technologies. And um, no matter what comes our way, I, I believe that uh, we're probably one of the most resilient industries uh, out there. Correct. So one of, one of the advantages, would you say, with the United States, which was the largest importer of the oil all along and the Chinese economy growing, one was the economic impact, growth and the consumption patterns. Uh, uh, the United States started producing more oil, so they have their own refining capacity. They will take a position of being self-reliant and they are almost heading there in next, uh, like next year they'll become uh, 5 million barrels exporter. But as it comes to 21, as it comes to 24, they're already the largest producers. <coughs> the largest consumer when it becomes the largest producer. Well, that, that brings its own challenges, right? Exactly. At, at, at the end, it's always good to be the number one customer. Right? right. It's great to be a number one vendor, but it's a lot of times better to be the number one customer. Um, and that's a, that's a position that the United States will uh, have to, to reckon with in the future. Um, you know, what if they aren't the number one customer for the world uh, oil markets anymore? Because, because they, they are private producers in the United States. Right. And, and once with his kind of the country's consumption pattern still keeps growing, but you're producing enough. Now you're not dependent on anybody else. That could have a very significant price impact on many other products. But, but alternatively, also no one's dependent on you. True, because you're not a customer to them. That's right. So that can impact your trade relationships and that can start impacting some of the geopolitical equations. They may have an advantage on controlling their own destiny in terms of prices on their end products because of the low, 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 low production uh, cost there. What I'm thinking about and I'm trying to drive into is, let's say that the, the global market price remains different, like as we see in West Texas, WTI, and as we see in Brent. So the consumption pattern of United States still keep on increasing. The lifestyle goes, it's more dependent on the oil, but the rate of production since the cost is less, even if they're not able to export, if they don't find the export market, will they be able to sustain their own economy with that? Would it be any benefit to them? Or maybe they will start using petrochemicals 
to create some innovative new products that opens a new door which you all don't know right now what you can produce out of it well that's that's the beauty about capitalism right right i mean capitalism will define yeah. the future Got and where there is an opportunity yeah. and a gap in the marketplace capitalism yeah. will fill it perfect and what is different today than it was before is that no one or five or six players control the markets anymore, right? I think for the first time in the history of oil and gas, uh, true supply and demand will dictate uh, the future of it. Correct. And as, as we discussed earlier, I, I, I'm thinking about that uh, being capitalistic society, very innovative in, in, in finding new markets, new usages, that this may be a turning point uh, in the United States history if they don't rely only on just making money from oil. Suppose the market stabilizes at a certain price and at the excess capacity, that there could be some innovation in creating some new products, next, new next generation products out of what we are getting from Mother Earth, which is uh, oil for us. So we'll continue our discussion in a next uh, segment, Dennis, great discussions. Let's take a short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We're having a very interesting discussion with my guest today. Uh, Dennis, 
and uh, we covered quite a bit on what's happening with the United States uh, becoming uh, the market leader in terms of oil production and on its way to become the largest exporter of oil. Now, Dennis, we talked about a lot of subjects, but there is another variable in this market which can impact big time, which is alternate energy. You can talk about solar, you can talk about wind energy, environmental impact. It is on the top of agenda for every regulating agency as well as people. There's a lot of awareness about it. Now, also on top of that is the largest consumer, uh, one of the largest consumer of oil and gas, uh, oil in particular, is automobile. And now with electrical vehicles coming in, and uh, let's start with electrical vehicle, but we'll address the other two also. So, so United States, the innovation levels are pretty high. <laughs> so they innovated uh, and used a lot of technology in shale to improve the production and do all that. Similarly, in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of work going on in electrical vehicle who don't use uh, oil. Yeah, I agree with you. It may be using some other form of petrochemical uh, or fossil fuel to generate that electricity or it could be an alternate method for generating this electricity. But overall, those are creating a decline in consumption of petroleum. And uh, not only the benefit is uh, with EV, electrical vehicle, is uh, less uh, reliance on petroleum, but also very few number of moving parts. That's why they're becoming very popular, very comfortable and, and, and easy to maintain. And it's more nowadays, it's a computer on the wheels. So you can update your car. You can have a new car every day with a software download and ease of drive, comfort in driving. And you're getting updated. Your vehicle is changing to the latest. A lot of things are happening there. Now, what could be the impact of EVs coming? Uh, and second, beyond that, uh, which also the major impact is as EV becomes the task. The, the transportation as a service, and some people give example of how many millions of cars they can take out of uh, the roads in, in, in New York downtown if you had uh, automatic cars, no human being required. That will be not only uh, the fuel not being used in certain number of cars, but a lot of cars going off the road. That could have a major impact. Plus, on the other side, uh, the generation of electricity uh, with, with uh, wind coming in and uh, nuclear kind of getting acceptance now and also uh, the solar energy. What do you think how that part of the innovation in the United States will impact the oil consumption and also in, in turn impact the U.S. oil uh, production or oil industry? Well, no doubt that the electri electrical vehicles are going to make an impact on the, the global demand. However, technology has evolved and developed in the last 50 to 100 years as well. I mean, there are more airplanes flying today. There are, you know, finer fuels today. There are faster cars. There are, I mean, <clears throat> the, the, the demand has changed 50, the last 50 to 100 years and the demand will change for the next 50 to 100 years. However, I think the, the one constant is going to be the increase of our population around the world. And that population will still need uh, petroleum-based products. Mm -hmm. It will continuously increase uh, the demand for um, buildings and paint and makeup and all the other 
the, all, all the other products um, that are uh, that utilize fossil fuels. Um, however, I do I, I do uh, believe that um, the, the demand for fossil fuels, although um, will lose market share uh, with gas probably taking the largest part of that market share. Uh, when it comes to absolute value, when it comes to fossil fuels, I think it'll remain constant for uh, the foreseeable future. And that makes sense because, as you rightly said, it's the increase in population. And beyond that, the population migration to the urbanization happening in most of the developed world. If you look at China, such a large country, and in the last three decades, if you see, they, they claim they are poor. Uh, several uh, hundreds of millions of people out of poverty so their consumption of these kind of products have gone up right and that is also visible in the number of cars but being sold there and then they're more visible in the amount of tourists that you see flying around the world from China and you you see uh, the amount of airplanes that the, the, the Chinese Airlines have um, yeah so I mean I think I think population will continue to grow and the demand for um, the energy will um, will remain on the rise um, it's just that you know part of it will be um, supplemented by the electrical vehicles some of it will be by solar and some of it what some of it will remain as the uh, oil and gas yeah so I, I, I get your point the basically uh, the growth in demand will remain but some of it will be substituted by alternate energy. That's right. It could be solar and everything else. If that was not there, the growth uh, trajectory would have been pretty high. Now, the absolute, in terms of absolute value, it will keep growing, but the growth rate would not be as high as it would have been if there were no alternate energy. But in near my near uh, future, there's no absolute replacement of oil and gas as, as a fossil fuel. Now, very interesting discussions, uh, uh, Dennis, we are almost at the end of our program and I would like you to uh, provide your some of your uh, you know, closing comments. Ultimately, I mean, I mean, just to conclude, I mean, the United States will dominate the oil industry for the next five years. Um, that's also what, what you read from the International Energy uh, Agency forecast. Um, this U.S. will supply much of the world's growing demand for oil and the growing production from the United States and a handful of other countries will meet demand through 2020. But really, right now, the fear is the lack of investment that could lead to the tight supply after that. That is where um, OPEC, OPEC Plus, uh, U.S. drillers and um, our industry is trying to ensure that we don't get to a point where um, that supply and demand curve flips um, the other way, uh, which would would be uh, detrimental to an already fragile economy. True. Well, thank you, Dennis. A very interesting and exciting discussion. It's it's pretty clear. Uh, there are very good takeaways here. That yes, uh, uh, the rebound of shale in United States uh, after uh, the decline in in the past has really helped them to uh, come to a position where they are one of the leading players in production of oil and it has been supported by the investment of capital, availability of capital and also uh, the advancement in technology, the, the innovation part of it of drilling and recovering oil uh, uh, and thereby reducing the 
cost of oil production has allowed United States to come into a position that they are one of the leaders and from a large importer or the highest importer of the oil, they, they are almost in a position where they will become net exporter. Their production capacities have gone up, all positive for them. And now they, they, that could be a, a, a disruptor in the oil industry, which was earlier stabilized around some other kind of structure. But the good news coming out with that is that that may uh, and should lead to stability in oil prices. And if that happens, <clears throat> there will be good trade equations. There will be good trade partnership across the countries. And that could foster a relationship between countries which can allow them to, to, to the transportation or trade of oil along with other commodities very freely across the world. So thank you so much. It looks like uh, uh, we will see uh, uh, another major player, which used to be many, many years ago in, in this mix of things for oil and gas industry. Looks like it's going to be a very exciting future. There could be some consolidations. There could be some uh, price levels uh, managed or navigated through ups and downs. At least the capacities are available to keep the world growing and uh, working. So thank you, Dennis. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Mahesh. You've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.